0: This is a Federal News Network podcast. Coming up on today's Federal Newscast, OPM is looking to remove certain workforce policies enacted during the Trump administration. There's a new timeline for agencies to report how much telework their employees are using. And a new call for the Capitol Police's inspector general to publish any of its findings. These stories and more in today's federal newscast. Welcome to today's episode of the Federal Newscast. I'm Eric White. The Office of Personnel Management looks to repeal federal workforce policies made under the Trump administration. Here's Federal News Network's Jory Heckman with more. OPM is looking to repeal a Trump administration policy that prevented agencies from agreeing to remove or change information on a federal employee's performance record as a condition for leaving the agency. OPM says that policy, which happened under a now-repealed Trump executive order, gave agencies limited options to deal with personnel problems. OPM is also looking to end a policy that requires agencies to notify supervisors at least three months out and then one month out from when a newly hired employee's probationary period expires and then to determine whether that employee should remain on the job. Jory Heckman federal news network agencies have a new timetable in 2022 to report their employees use of telework the office of personnel management is shifting the annual data call to begin february 1st instead of the traditional timeline of mid-november opm is giving agencies until march 11th to answer questions and report data electronically By changing the reporting timeline, OPM says it's mitigating the challenges of an end-of-year data call. It's also maximizing the opportunity for agencies to collect, assess, and report the most accurate telework data possible. The inspector general for the Capitol Police gets a nudge to make its reports public. More from Federal News Network's Tom Temin. It comes on the eve of what is sure to be a contentious one-year anniversary of the crowd break-in at the Capitol. This latest push comes from the left-leaning group Demand Progress. It asks the Senate Rules Committee and House Administration Committee to force the Capitol Police to publish inspector general reports online. The group says the IG missed a March deadline to report back to Congress listing which reports it could make public. Tom Temin, Federal News Network. Military and civilian members of the Air and Space Forces are authorized a four-hour pass from work in order to get a COVID booster shot. The Department of the Air Force is strongly encouraging all of its employees to get the vaccine and booster. To date, 95 percent of the total Air and Space Forces have been vaccinated. 2022 marks the Air Force's 75th anniversary. The Air Force will celebrate this milestone throughout the year with various events around the country that highlight the service's history, accomplishments, and distinguished airmen. The branch was officially born on September 18, 1947. Celebrations began on New Year's Day at the Rose Bowl, where the service displayed its B-2 bomber and the Air Force Total Force Band. The Defense Health Agency is building a large network of small hospital markets. Federal News Network's Scott Massioni has the details. Over the past few years, the Defense Health Agency has been assuming control of military hospitals and clinics from the services and putting them into geographical markets. Those markets would help standardize care and share resources. However, there were some facilities that didn't fit into one market or were just too far away. At the end of 2021, DHA created a catch-all organization for small market clinics and standalone hospitals. The organization is a massive conglomerate of over 140 facilities. All those facilities will band together to standardize health care in the military. Scott Masioni. Federal News Network. U.S. Transportation Command is planning a new multi-year contract for a wide swath of its IT and cybersecurity functions. Transcom says it plans a solicitation in early March and a final award in September. The planned contract goes beyond the command's current managed information technology services contract. It's also planned to include network operations, hardware and software purchasing, cybersecurity, and a range of other technology services. The Federal Aviation Administration is exploring how to bring zero trust into the national air transportation infrastructure. Federal News Network's Jason Miller reports. The FAA is trying to better understand how to move its four operating environments into a micro-segmentation architecture and apply zero trust principles. To that end, the FAA released a request for information asking for industry feedback on how to apply these cyber tools at both the network and application layers. The FAA also wants the zero-trust micro-segmentation approach to work on-premise and in the cloud, as well as in sensitive environments. The FAA is asking the industry to answer more than 70 questions. Responses to the RFI are due by February 1st. Jason Miller, Federal News Network. A big contract in the intelligence community is now under protest. Here's Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday with more. Litos is protesting a potential $4.5 billion data services contract awarded by the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. NGA awarded the deal to General Dynamics Information Technology in early December. The potential 10 year contract provides for IT services at three NGA core sites and more than 150 partner sites across the globe. The Government Accountability Office has until April 7th to issue its decision on Lidos' bid protest. Justin Doubleday, Federal News Network. An internal government watchdog is urging U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services to ditch the paper. In a new report, the Department of Homeland Security Inspector General zeroes in on USCIS's continued reliance on manual processing and paper files. USCIS has limited electronic filing capabilities for more than 80 types of benefits. The IG says technology performance issues further constrain productivity at the agency. The challenges have led to lengthy processing times and a backlog of more than 3.8 million cases as of May 2021. The head of the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation plans to step down next month. Former President Donald Trump appointed Jelena McWilliams to serve as FDIC chairwoman for a term that would expire in 2023, but she says she'll leave the position a year early. Democrats hold a majority on the FDIC board, and Martin Gruenberg will serve as acting chairman. In her resignation letter, McWilliams applauded the FDIC workforce for supporting the U.S. financial system through the COVID-19 pandemic. The National Treasury Employees Union gains a new second-in-command. NTEU members elect longtime union leader and IRS Revenue Officer Doreen Greenwald to serve as its national executive vice president. Greenwald is taking over for former executive vice president Jim Bailey, who retired at the end of 2021. Greenwald previously helped lead NTEU's ongoing COVID discussions for its largest bargaining unit and served as president of the union's chapter in Wisconsin. And the Postal Services Regulatory Agency chooses a new vice chairwoman to help lead operations. Members of the Postal Regulatory Commission elect Commissioner Ann Fisher to serve a one-year term as its second-in-command. Fisher previously served as the commission's director of public affairs and government relations before former President Donald Trump nominated her to serve as one of its commissioners. Fisher served as deputy staff director for Senator Susan Collins and helped develop the last major postal reform bill to pass in 2006. You can find more information about these stories at federalnewsnetwork.com, search Federal Newscast, and subscribe to the Federal Newscast on Podcast One or Apple Podcasts. I'm Eric White.